Today's conversation is sponsored in part by Thought Exchange, a proud supporter of NCSPRA and the School PR Drive Time Podcast. If we don't proactively work to rebuild trust and therefore also build more trust, this is a backslide that we can't afford. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, a podcast produced by NCSPRA about driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of school PR professionals. I'm your host, Stacia Harris, a member of the NCSPRA media team, and I'm the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Katie Test Davis. She's the founder of Forthright Advising, and Ashley Peterson DeLuca. She's a senior advisor with Forthright. Today, the big topic that we want to try to tackle and explore is trust and rebuilding trust. We know that COVID has created a number of challenges for school systems really across the country and certainly uh, making sure that our parents and our teachers, our staff, our community feels connected to us and and heard and certainly trusts us in our decisions is a huge part, I think, of of how we kind of continue to move forward and continue um, to heal after this very strange year. So we'll have a lot of great information to present to everyone, and we will link all of the uh, information, the links, PDFs, those will be in the show notes below. We've got a great conversation for you today. Let's start the show. Well, hello, Katie and Ashley. Thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. We appreciate your time. Um, First up, I'd love for you guys to um, each tell me a little bit about yourselves and your role with Forthright Advising. Uh, Katie Tess Davis, we'll start with you. Thanks, Stacia. So my name is Katie Tess Davis. I'm the founder of Forthright Advising. Um, We are a PR firm um, that works exclusively with organizations that love kids. So about 50% of our clients are public school districts, and then another 50% are child and family focused nonprofits, foundations, um, and organizations. So um, I am a native North Carolinian. I was born in Charlotte, and I have worked for a couple different public school districts. Um, one, two here in North Carolina, Charlotte, Mecklenburg, and Durham, shout out. <laughs> um, and then also worked um, up in DC at DC public schools. So this work and school PR is near and dear to my heart. Awesome. And Ashley Peterson DeLuca, tell us about yourself. Hi there. I am a senior advisor with Forthright Advising, and I have been working in the communications field and education for a little over a decade now, reaching all ages and stages of learners and families, all the way from pre-K to adult learners. Awesome. Well, again, thank you guys for, for being with us. And I guess we can start by just sort of laying out um, just some of my thoughts and, and why I wanted to have you guys on the podcast to discuss this issue of trust and rebuilding trust. And so, of course, we have to start the conversation with COVID because it is the thing that everyone's been dealing with for the, for the last uh, year. Um, but we're going to end the conversation um, a little bit later discussing how trust can be shaken with any crisis. And, and if you've worked in school PR, you know that crisis is uh, is your middle name. So you know it's coming at some point and it's important to have some, some, some tools at your disposal um, to be able to handle it. So as we go into this conversation, um, kind of what strikes me about what we've all been dealing with, um, specifically in North Carolina, but as we know, this, this can apply to a school system anywhere, North Carolina, Idaho, wherever you are, if there's school, We've all been affected. Uh, Last March in North Carolina, 
um, when the governor closed all school buildings, all of a sudden, you know, teachers, parents, we had no say in the matter. We just were done. Shut the doors, go home, virtual learning, feeding the kids, making it work. And as we've slowly been pulling out of, you know, quote, lockdown, so to speak, uh, I've, I've absolutely felt kind of in my district, but also in watching districts across the state and across the nation, I've watched this back and forth and, and this uh, ongoing discussion about how do we get kids back in school and what's the right way to do it. And um, it has just generated lots of feelings, we'll say some feelings between parents and between uh, teachers. Uh, would you all want to share just very generally sort of what you all have observed, you know, as you all obviously have been watching the news as well um, across the country. And uh, Katie, we can start with you. So I, when we talked about doing this podcast together, I actually went back and looked at the executive order that you were just talking about back in March. And so it started on March 14th when the executive order said we'd be closing schools from Monday the 16th until March 30th. And then on March 23rd, like, you know, 10 days, maybe after we found out we'd be closing through May 15th. And that feels, I mean, I don't know about for you, but it feels like a hundred years ago. And so much has changed since then. And so when you think about this communications environment, it is hands down the toughest media market messaging context and environment. I mean, it's just the ever-changing nature of the pandemic has been, I, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for like how many times we've had to pivot and how it's evolved. And I think when we take a second to reflect, like, no wonder this has been a challenge. I mean, it's nutty. Um, and it still happens, like, even today. I mean, we've we've gotten to the point where we're talking about three feet versus six feet, and we're changing guidance, and we're evolving, and it's still a changing environment, and we're still learning, and we're still growing, and we're still figuring out things about the pandemic that we didn't know in the beginning. And so I just want to reflect back um, that, that those pieces of an ever-changing media market, those are not the ingredients that it takes to make trust, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I want to acknowledge the hard work of all the school communicators listening here and like plus one you because, man, this has been <laughs> tough, right? <laughs> Tough. I, I feel like there aren't enough words in the in the dictionary to describe how completely bonkers uh, this whole year has been. But hey, we're learning and growing and, and, and changing. And so we'll look at it on the bright side. Uh, Ashley, what about you? I mean, what Katie talked about in North Carolina has been echoed across the country from L.A. to Chicago to New York City to North Carolina. Every uh, school district has been facing these challenges in their own way of different 
um, you know, parents and teachers perhaps feeling different things, different communities have different opinions. And what's really hard is that people grant trust based on two distinct attributes, which is confidence, which is delivering on promises and ethical behavior or doing the right thing. And so in the situation where things are constantly changing, so it doesn't seem like you're delivering on your promises and you have different voices and even different experts giving guidance on what to do and there's no agreement on the right thing to do, this is a really tough environment in which to build trust. And I think you hit on it, Ashley. I think that's uh, in sort of remembering back to what made it challenging before and kind of what's making it challenging now is the information is just coming at us so fast. And in the beginning, we just didn't know anything about COVID. We assumed a lot. And so that sort of informed some of those early decisions. But now that we're learning more, uh, it's it's sort of a two-part process because on one hand we have sort of the scientists the experts for us you know our state health leaders giving us all this new guidance and somehow we've got to distill it down to our parents and to our teachers and unwind all of the things that we had sort of put in place uh, leading up to this point and so the other thing I think that makes this challenging is just it feels like the speed at which it's happening um, and I don't know if Katie, you want to uh, touch on that. It's just, it's moving fast and it's constantly moving and it's moving fast. Yeah. I mean, the, you said it, the goalposts just keep moving. And I, I also want to go back to something you said at the very top, which is like, this is emotional, right? Like not only do the goalposts keep moving, not only do we keep learning and not only are we continually trying to improve what we're doing for our kids we ourselves are so burnt out. Like the things that keep us doing our job um, aren't really there. It's hard to tell good news stories when all you're trying to do is communicate clearly an ever-changing, um, ever-changing guidance and decisions mm-hmm. from different messengers. We've got state messengers, we've got local leaders, we've got community leaders. Um, and, and we ourselves and all the people we're communicating to are really drained. Like mm-hmm. there's that old marketing adage that you have to tell people something seven times for them to remember it. Um, and I tell our clients all the time, no, 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 like double that. It's like 14 <laughs> times before your message lands right now, because you've got COVID brain. You just aren't retaining information you're trying to juggle home and work and you're doing your best you can for your family. And so I think there's this like extra level of stress that we have to acknowledge because it's really important information about our audiences and our stakeholders. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and as we are sort of re- reflecting on sort of how we got here, would you guys want to maybe each share um, just some maybe advice or some guidance that you've been giving your clients sort of up to this point? Uh, Because I think that's um, something else to acknowledge, at least here in North Carolina, we're we're opening up our schools, but we're all doing it at a different rate. I mean, it's all happening very differently for all of us. And so even within our state, there's just we are just, we're just all over the place. And so um, I'd love to obviously acknowledge that and recognize that for, for our listeners, uh, but also touch on what are some of the things they can do now, no matter where they are in this 
wackadoodle process. And I believe that's the scientific term for it, wackadoodle. <laughs> and Ashley, I don't know if you want to go first. Sure. So thinking about where parents are right now, um, it's, uh, learning in classrooms is really scary and parents have a lot of legitimate concerns and it's really worthwhile to take the time to listen and understand what they are and then address them. We've seen districts, for example, uh, take families on social media and a behind the scenes look and like a Facebook live of the different safety protocols, of the hand washing stations, of what it looks like in the classroom and you know understanding what parents are concerned about and how you can communicate to address those concerns is very powerful. You also want to meet emotion with emotion and acknowledge how people are feeling and talk about it because there's a lot of fear but there's also a lot of joy in seeing your friends in class again and meeting your teacher for the first time and really touching on the um, full spectrum of emotions that going back to school during a pandemic can bring. Katie, what else have you been thinking? I mean, I we talk a lot about repetition, which is about 14, say it 14 times, but I think there's also something about consistency that's really magical. Um, knowing that you're going to hear from your district in these different ways. And it, that could be, for every district, that's going to be different, right? I know there's some districts where it's like, Facebook all the time. There's other districts where it's like website, come to our website. It's like the centralized um, place for communications for our district. Whatever your special sauce is, whatever you've built with your community, being really consistent about where people can get information and then taking that. And, you know, we think about that as like one centralized, the middle of the target, right? Where are you, where are you driving people for their information? And then how can you amplify that using all of your communications channels? And then how can you go even a step farther? Um, and how can you be reaching out to families that might be missing your communications? How can you be reaching your offline parents? How can you be reaching your parents who are working two essential worker jobs right now? Um, what are you doing to go above and beyond to make sure that those in your community who have frankly been hit by COVID the hardest um, understand, know, trust, right? There's a lot of ways we need to be centering authentic connections. And I think Ashley did a really great job of saying, like, take people behind the scenes. Like, um, it's hard when you can't drop your kid off and go inside and poke around their classroom. It's hard when you don't hear um, you know, you pass people in the hallways and hear their casual stories. And so how can you make those real connections with your families, um, and help them help make it personal to them and help them visualize what's happening in the schools. And then how can you build those bridges for yourself, um, in the community? And that's actually a great place to pause. I do want to get in a quick commercial break. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us so far. Katie Tess Davis and Ashley Peterson DeLuca of Forthright Advising uh, are with us today. And we're talking about trust. We've gone over some of the challenges that I think we've all experienced. And after the break, we want to talk about some solutions, not just to deal with COVID, but to deal with the inevitable uh, challenges to trust that any school system can experience. So stay with us, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of School PR Drive Time, brought to you in part by Thought Exchange. 
Thought Exchange is the only enterprise discussion management platform powered by patented anti-bias technology. Modern leaders use Thought Exchange to quickly gain critical insights and improve decision making for their districts. Whether you're engaging 10 stakeholders or a community of 10,000 plus people, Thought Exchange allows leaders to drive strategic discussions at scale. Since 2009, Thought Exchange has been helping school districts across North America validate and align on top district policies, address student and staff success, and build trust with their communities. Here at NCSPRA, we thank Thought Exchange for their continued support of this podcast and all our efforts to support school communications throughout North Carolina and beyond. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to School PR Drive Time. So before the break, we were fleshing out these concepts of the challenges that school systems have had uh, with trust, whether it's um, parents trusting us, teachers trusting us, even the community trusting us. And we're asking now, how do we rebuild that trust? So we want to get started with Ashley. She's going to go over uh, some of the resources that school PR practitioners can use to to sort of get that process started. I mentioned um, before the break that it was really important to listen to families. And I think now's a really good time to open that channel and start listening to them. On a broader national scale, for example, in March, CDC came out with a study that found that parents of children receiving virtual instruction were more frequently reported that they were in emotional distress, difficulty sleeping, loss of work, concern about job stability, and all of those stressors that are swirling around in their mind. And another NPR poll found that almost half of parents um, said that they're worried um, that my child will fall behind when the pandemic's over. So, and that's what's going on nationally, but every community is unique. And so it's really worth doing a landscape analysis and just scanning um, how parents and how your community's feeling. Perhaps it's an online survey if everybody's not too fatigued with those. Um, It's talking to your parent-teacher organizations, as well as the staff who are on the ground every day with families to understand what their concerns are and what their feelings. And you can also take a look on social media. Parents are often very open on Facebook or next door about what concerns they have so that you know what's going on and so you can address it. Um, And I think one exciting thing is a tool that was taken out of our toolkit um, during the pandemic was not being able to gather and see each other face to face because we know that power of a town hall or a one-to-one meeting where you get to talk in person. And what's exciting is as the vaccine rolls out and the weather gets warmer and hopefully case rates drop, there are opportunities to look at how we can bring people together again, safely outside, socially distanced, small groups in different ways that you can um, really use those very powerful tools to build trust. You know, Ashley, something that you said struck me, and it's uh, something that we use when we're trying to generate positive PR. We use ambassadors, whether it's teachers or or parents. And so it it sounds like that we can use these core people to make sure they understand, you know, what are the plans, what's changed, what are the safety protocols in place, and use them to to help give validity to our plans as they're talking, you know, one parent to another or one, one teacher to another. Absolutely. There's one survey that found that 93% of parents trust their child's teachers. So they're a very powerful ambassador. And of course, you know that you need your teachers on your side if you want to move forward with anything. So they're a great place to start. 
Awesome. Katie, what about you? What were your, some of your suggestions? I think it's vital that we recognize that different members of our community have experienced the pandemic differently, but also to even think back to recognize the history that has come before. Like I would encourage listeners to ask themselves about their district's history with each of your communities and be reflective of that. Um, Our social media specialist, John John, or strategist, excuse me, just wrote a blog post for our blog um, about the myth of the disengaged parent. And he challenges us to think about um, those parent populations and the history um, and their lived experiences. And so he had this example in his post that I really loved, like imagine a dad who went to your school district when he was a kid, right? And this is often the case. And his, his experience was that his school didn't have toilet paper and it wasn't cleaned regularly. And he's obviously going to bring that experience with him when you tell him that you've got this grand, brand new cleaning procedure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or like if your staff members have experienced being shut out of decision-making processes, even if it was a different leadership, that history is still there. And so when you are able to acknowledge both like how the pandemic has hit um, different populations differently, but also the history that came before the pandemic, and then be really thoughtful about how you are authentically, like Ashley said, listening to those community members, and then really doing the work to rebuild that trust by addressing those barriers head on. And I think that comes with being really thoughtful about what their concerns are and then being really, like you were saying, um, using those ambassadors, using um, a variety of trusted spokespeople with great information about your district um, to be those messengers, to build those connections. And there's a couple of things that I really loved over the past year that I saw come out of districts. Um, I, there in the very beginning, way back in March of 2020, um, I saw this really great letter from a superintendent who really thought out loud in front of her district. He was like, she was like, here's all the things on my mind. Let me break them down for you. And that sort of thinking out loud, um, and like being your authentic human self, like we are, I know we expect a lot of our leaders and we expect a lot of our superintendents right now. Um, but being your like regular person and saying the hard parts out loud, I think does a lot to allow people in, in right inside your decision-making that you are a real human making like Mm -hmm. hard choices. Um, and then I really loved, and I, I saw this happen in North Carolina too, those times when the superintendents were like, look, we all need a snow day. Just everybody (laughs) take a snow day (laughs) because you're acknowledging the hard parts. Right. Um, and so I think, it feels vulnerable, but also um, when you bring your humanity with you, more magic can happen. Absolutely. And you know, something you said struck me. I, I feel like as this process has gone on, I feel like we, we began, you know, a, a year ago, you know, in March uh, of, of 2020, 
parents couldn't get enough information. And I remember getting emails and they were like, I need more, I need more, I need daily updates. And, and so now fast forward, I think we, we do have a lot of information to give them, but it's just like turning a fire hose on them. And on one hand, you know, they appreciated it's a lot, but on the other hand, you also have to figure out how to break that down to make it understandable and something kind of strange. And this, this plays into that issue of trust is it's it's like there's so much information out there it allows rumors to grow legs really fast i think in in watching comment sections on on social media you know i'm, I'm here seeing parents and teachers post these things and i'm just like that's not what i didn't say that what and so i i think that's also part of it is there's got to be a function for rumor control and I think that, in a sense, points back. Maybe it's to your ambassadors. Maybe it's having that one person that your parents and your teachers know they can reach out to, and and ask these off the wall questions or or you know address these off the wall things that they're seeing online rather than repeat them. Yeah, social media is definitely a breeding ground for misinformation, um, and you can't control it all. But there's definitely a lot of things you can do. And I think one of the most powerful things is to use really plain, accessible language. We've gotten really used to um, using terms like efficacy and are not. And like if we're reading the news, like we kind of all have an understanding of this. But as we go into a world, we're all going to be fractured again in the news that we read and watch. That it's really good to remember to break down the jargon, whether it's education or um, scientific and medical information, and just really tell them exactly what you mean in terms that somebody who is checking their phone in the Starbucks drive-thru and reading that email from you as the dog wants their puppuccino, <laughs> like just make it as easy as they can so that you can answer their questions and you tell them exactly what you what they need to know. And that kind of leads to another um, kind of subtopic that I wanted to hit on is how do we build that trust and, and communicate to our parents who may not be online or and native to, to these platforms um, that some of us are more comfortable with? Um, how, how do we make sure they feel like part of the conversation? Totally. Mid, mid pandemic, maybe like mid early pandemic, our team did like a month worth of research, um, on the best ways to reach families without internet. And we put it together into, um, a downloadable document. We'll make sure you guys have the link. Um, and it, there's four different ways. Um, but the two that I think I want to highlight here and now that have really, to me, stuck with us through the pandemic was, um, especially mid early pandemic, there was a lot of focus on radio as like comfort food. A lot of people are listening to radio to have it on in the background. I think it just helped you feel less lonely. Um, and I, I, now as we're back in our cars and people are getting vaccinated and we're doing more, um, we shouldn't underestimate the power of that radio. Those familiar voices in early pandemic were really, I think, comforting and now are, um, great and useful messengers who are really up to speed. So I would urge our school PR community to not forget to pitch radio to make sure the radio reporters know what's happening. Um, I think that's important. And then direct mail. There's something really helpful about tactile touch. And this is not, um, this, this goes for all audiences, not just families without internet access, obviously, Direct mail is a great way to get your information physically in front of um, people who might not have access to 
the broadband. Um, but I, but there's something also brand wise, something really powerful about touching tactile. There's, um, all these retail studies about like, when you go to the gap, how, how frequently you like touch something and if, and more, how more likely you are to buy something if you touch it. And I really think that that's a fascinating piece of the missing part of communications. You couldn't go in a school, you couldn't touch things. You couldn't touch the doors. You couldn't um, shake hands. There, there was a lot of tactile that was missing. And so that direct mail piece is really helpful because it is a brand interaction with somebody who's been missing from your community. Um, they get to touch you again. I know that sounds really funny, mm -hmm. but it really stuck with me because that interaction that you have of holding something, of looking at it, of getting your um, grubby little hands on the piece of paper, <laughs> all that's really important. Um, but it's a great way to also reach families without internet access and drive them towards resources that they might not otherwise know about. So we have a couple more strategies in our guide, but those are the two that I've really loved because they have felt, um, well, we've seen them be really successful with our clients, but they've also felt more timeless in this pandemic. A lot of fabulous, fabulous tips and resources. And as we sort of begin to close out the conversation, um, I definitely want to hit on what our lives are going to look like when COVID is in the rear view, when we're just moving and shaking on with our lives. Uh, so I, I think COVID just happens to be the crisis that just doesn't seem to want to end, but eventually it will end. But for school systems and school PR pros, we know that dealing with those crises, they'll always bubble to the top and you're always going to be addressing them. So as we sort of close out the conversation, what are some things that we can do and help our school system do to almost um, inoculate ourselves against these forces that can hurt the, the trust that we want and that we work so hard to build with our families and our staff and our community at large? Yeah. I would keep central the role of community engagement and what, how important it is. It's a long game. It's not just a quick fix band-aid. Um, and so I would contemplate how can you make people feel seen and heard even when you're not necessarily doing what you want them to do, but how can you show up in that conversation um, that's really real. And I think for communities that were rightfully skeptical of the school district, this work is necessary and it is real. And if we don't do it, um, I mean, if we don't work, and I love that you're doing this podcast right now, because it's such an important topic. Um, if we don't proactively work to rebuild trust and therefore also build more trust, um, this is a backslide that we can't afford. I mean, it, it just is. So I, I think showing up, um, doing the real work, doing the long-term work, um, and, and bridging those gaps is, is my number one takeaway. Ashley, what about you? Yeah, I think, um, as you mentioned with community engagement, sometimes it's less about what you say and more about what you do, that listening, that addressing needs, meeting all your communities, especially if you're not hearing from one community, that should ring the loudest of that's where you have the most work to do. If somebody's not answering your surveys or not showing up to back to school night, those are the people who you need to work the hardest to reach, get the most creative to do, but also the most rewarding um, to get them involved in all the great things that your district is doing. Awesome, great advice. And, and I think you guys kind of touched on it. The, the other part that, that's always sort of looming in the background is 
depending on the market, you know, that, that you're in, parents always have choices about where they, they want their, their child to go to school and, and sort of the place that they're going to call home. And so um, that's always sort of in the back of your mind is, um, you know, we want to build this trust because it's the right thing to do. But we also know that if it looks like someone's doing it better than we are, you know, that's, that becomes a problem with, with enrollment and, and teacher retention, of course. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think um, really um, appreciating the hard work of your staff um, and and recognizing that this has been a challenging year for everyone at a school district, from the bus drivers to the central office team, um, and and making sure that people feel again so seen and so heard. Um, that goes a really long way. Perfect. Well, that's a great way to end it. Thank you, ladies, so much for for being with us. And I just I think this is um, a really important topic uh, because it, at the end of the day, we're here to serve our kids, and there are so many pillars and pieces that need to be in place for that to happen well. And so I, I think we can't underestimate how important trust is in that equation. So Katie Tess-Davis and Ashley Peterson-DeLuca, thank you guys so much for, for being with us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. So I appreciate Katie and Ashley taking time to be with us today and share just some of their thoughts. And definitely, we, we, we kind of scratched the surface. And as we were wrapping up our conversation, uh, Katie mentioned that the, the people who are closest to our kids in that classroom, in that school setting, they are most trusted. So in the conversation, we discussed ambassadors and the power of having an ambassador to bring that information to our families. And I think as school communicators, we can't underestimate uh, the power of having those folks, those influencers, if you will, who can bring our message to the people who need to hear it. And they're bringing that message with a voice and a face and, and an existing relationship um, that might make it easier, you know, for that for that family to, to understand uh, the decisions, the plans, um, all the things that, that certainly have been coming their way uh, over the last um over the last year or so. So wonderful conversation with Katie and Ashley of Forthright Advising. You can find them online. They're on Twitter at comms for kids. And again, we will link all of their contact information and the resources that they shared. They're going to be in the show notes below. Thank you all for taking your time to listen. This has been School PR Drive Time.